or capital H-I-M. Just put your paws up. Cause you were born this way, baby. You are listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm your host, Andy Otto, and executive director of Twin Cities Pride. I want to welcome you to the show where we talk about all things Twin Cities Pride, current LGBTQIA plus topics, and living our most authentic queer life here in Minnesota. We want to keep you in the know by hitting important topics, talking about those things that others are too afraid to talk about, and how you can help. And of course, we can't get started without saying good afternoon to my co-host, Rena. Hello. Thank you very much, Andy. Good afternoon to you, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and good afternoon to our in-studio guest today, Rox Anderson. We are so excited to have you here today. Thank I'm you for coming. I'm excited to be here. Um, it's almost kind of tricky to introduce you because you wear so many hats. <laughs> it's Rox, the entrepreneur, the activist, organizer, promoter. Um, you are one of the busiest people that we get the pleasure of working with. That's an understatement. Uh, people, like, <laughs> literally, didn't you just run in here from a red-eye flight last night? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, maybe it'd be a good place for us to start to introduce Rox is maybe you could just talk a little bit about how you two got to know each other. Oh, boy. That's, it's, it's, you were here before me. Yeah. Weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because the power. I mean, of like stage literally, because like, I'm older than you. Well, you're not that <laughs> much older than me, but um, yeah, because the power to the people stage, we met through Pride, and the power to the people stage is on its what 22nd year. Yeah, 22nd, I think. And I think we started in 2001, 2009, something like that. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. And you've you've been leading it ever since. Ever right? since. Yeah. So we kind of met through Pride, really, and Rox mm-hmm. was. Killing it over at the uh, Power to the People stage, what we affectionately call P2P. Yeah. And yeah, I've, I've been able to just watch you kind of flourish and grow and get busier and busier and busier. busier. <laughs> and um, How do did some you incredible first things. get involved then with the P2P stage at Pride? Um, I first got involved with the P2P stage because I was like tabling at Pride with an organization called the Minnesota Men of Color. And we did um, HIV prevention to men who have sex with men. Mm-hmm. And um, we were in the park and, you know, we saw the stage and we decided we needed a stage. Um, and we wanted to create a stage for people of color so they could express themselves and, you know, bring culture into um, into what we wanted to do, you know. Yeah, it... Um, I think that there is, oh gosh, when we look back at the P2P stage, I mean, it's been around for, I think, I think we're on 22 years because mm-hmm. I think the 50th year we celebrated the P2P's 20th. 20th. Yeah, I think that's year. correct. How has it evolved and kind of grown since you took it over? Wow. Well, you know, when we started the stage, it was, it was literally like a two, three, four inch little riser wow. you know, that we built on a two by four. Um, oh and um, I think it was maybe about the size of this table in length and width. Um, and so that, I mean, that's how we started, you know, we had two little tiny speakers, you know, yeah. um, that we rigged up to our own little gen- generator. Oh my gosh, that's so funny because now it's, oh my gosh, it is equivalent 
to all the other stages yeah. actually and i'm pretty sure at this point it's bigger than loring because uh, mm. we downsized loring yeah that's so true. stonewall and laura or stonewall and p2p are the same size now. yeah and rainbow rainbow's just little rainbow. that stage is little yeah, yeah. the little rainbow stage the little mm-hmm. rainbow stage the little rainbow stage Cute. but Maybe we can go back a little bit and talk about because I I want to get through like power to the people stage. I want to talk about our space. Yes, I want to talk about um, the problems that are facing the queer people of color in our community okay. because I think we don't talk about that enough, we and don't. I think we need to talk about that a lot. Um, and if we can get some time, we'll talk about POC Pride, which you've been involved with um, since its inception. Yeah. Because, again, you don't have enough on your plate <laughs> running Rare Productions, running this, running that, running Cutie Castle, which we'll talk about when we talk about our space. Okay. But um, from why was it important just in general to start the Power to the People stage? I mean, let's OK, I'm just going to I'm going to call a spade a spade, right? Do Pride it. at that point was whiter than white. It, it was. I mean. Whiter than white. Whiter than white. Whiter than white. So yeah. no, no people of color on the board. No, I mean there were some volunteers that yeah. were people of color, but you know it was, it was a pretty white space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know while we're there, I mean the the reality is that there was a trans woman of color on stage, and whoever was running the stage at that time didn't like her performance for whatever reason. Um, you know, and the typical things around. Um, how you perceive people that you are not really in community with. So, you know, she was told her act was too lewd. It was too, like, not okay for the stage. Um, and and basically got cut. Oh. So in the middle of her performance, she got cut. And, oh, my gosh. you know, she got really, um, of course, upset about that. 100%. Um, yeah. She didn't even get through the first song, I don't think. Um and so our stage was loc- our our tabling area was located just kind of adjacent to that stage, um, and we were very easy to spot that year because we had a we had a little fundraising kind of game going um, that had little like shot glasses that you might find like at a bridal shower with the little like penises inside the cup, you know, mm-hmm. um, and we had a, a like a giant kind of phallus symbol. That went above our <laughs> our our tabling. You weren't area. noticeable at all. We were I mean, so noticeable. Super yeah, yeah. And so um, she came, you know, she came running over and said, "I, I want you to do something about this." Um, we were one of the only people of color organizations tabling inside of Pride at that time. Um, and she and you know she proceeded to say that this was not only a thing that happened you know in the park at Pride, but it happened across stages in the Twin Cities. That wow. trans women of color didn't get the same kind of stage time. They didn't get the same kind of marketing. They didn't get the same kind of presence in whatever the performance category was. And so she wanted us to actually change that narrative um and so when we got back and started unpacking all the things from pride as one does yeah oh yeah that's yeah (laughs) right um uh, our boss said okay so what are we gonna do what do you want to do and at the time out front minnesota kind of had the biggest area at pride they took up a lot of square footage and they had like a little cafe going on in there Mm -hmm. where you can go in there and get coffee and mingle and hang out and it was kind of like the 
the place to go. And I said, I, I want to have a place better than that. I want to have a place where people of color can come and see themselves represented. They can have, um, you know, their own kind of vending in that, you know, we could see doctors or other community groups um, that might be doing programming for people of color. At the time, you know, Clues was doing some work around HIV prevention. Um, there was, you know, of course, the African-American AIDS Task Force, Indigenous Peoples Task Force, and they were all doing stuff around HIV prevention in people of color communities. And so we wanted to kind of partner with those guys and kind of make them, you know, part of what we were doing because they weren't tabling at Pride, mm. right? And so that's what we did. Um, and we we had the kind of like flat ground area now where sometimes there's sports ball happening, like just kind of across from the yeah. basketball courts. Yeah. And so we had that area because um, nobody was really using it. And so I don't even remember who the director was at the time. I can't remember. I don't know. I, I think it might have been actually Dot. Uh, I don't know. Was it, it was like Dot. Dot, Cheryl Dot. No. Yeah. yeah. It was Cheryl. I don't know. Yeah. It, it wasn't me. It, yeah. was, it, was a, it was many directors ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they were like, sure, like nobody's kind of using this area. We can just kind of give it to you. Um, and so we kind of put our stage at the edge of the tent. And we had we did have a big tent. We made sure we got a tent that was the same size as out front. And inside of that tent, we had several vendors. And so we had clues and the other ones that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. Plus we had like wake up were affected and we had a bunch of mostly HIV serving organizations um, and we put on you know little acts spoken word a lot of spoken word a lot of spoken word <laughs> um, and you know a few songs and stuff like that and our folks loved it because um, as a person of color coming into the park during that time, it was kind of really hard. You know, we would joke that, you know, as people of color, we often kind of just do the head nod, like, okay, I see you in, in the room, fam. Like many, mm -hmm. like we do with queer folks. Like yep. if you obviously yep. see a queer person in a space that's not so queer, you might kind of do a subtle head nod, yep. not to like call them out, but just to be mm -hmm. like, I see you. I see you. Yep. Um, and so we do that as, it's, it's Bunches of different cultural communities, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so we, we would kind of joke that we would do get to do the head nod about every five minutes walking around the park because <laughs> there were so few people of oh color. Oh, my gosh. Um, and from that little kind of tiny, you know, um, protest, um, mm -hmm. like de demanding of space, um, grew what's now like one of the main stages mm -hmm. where people gather they're there all day from as soon as the sound goes live until after we're breaking down um and we've been able to put on some amazing artists you yeah. know mm -hmm. Lizzo got to be on that stage before yeah. Lizzo yeah. was Lizzo um you know we've had um Wow, just so many of the Twin Cities artists. Kevin Chaos Moore has been kind of a staple and been on that mm -hmm. stage many times. We've had um, Mike. We've had um, um, Nerd, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's been, you know, it's been kind of an amazing place to watch artists kind of take the stage for one of the first times and then kind of grow and blossom, we, you know, and then we've had some like 
people that are already stars on our stage, mm-hmm. like Frenchie Davis mm-hmm. um, and um, Tamichi, who's who was on Soul Train and, and the original producer of the MC Hammer Pants, <laughs> which is crazy, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so we've had some like pretty big stars on the stage, and we've had folks who've never take taken the stage before. And I think of somebody like Hildy. Yeah, you know who yep. now is a performer sought out, um, yep. and um, gets to be featured in lots of different ways as a representation of young people in our community. For sure, took took the stage for the first time at the Power to the People stage. Yeah. Love right. her. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, okay, we'll take a quick break because there's so much more and we can get so deep down this rabbit hole. Um, But stay tuned. We have so much more to talk about with rocks. So you're listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. But then I spent so many nights thinking how you did me wrong. And I grew strong. And I learned how to get along. And so you're back from out of space. We are back, and you're listening to I Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM950. I'm your co-host, Rena Heisel. I am joined here, of course, with host Andy Otto, Executive Director of Twin Cities Pride. And our very special guest today in the studio is Rox Anderson, uh, activist entrepreneur, organizer, extremely busy person that we're very happy to have here. And um, in our last segment, we had talked a little bit about the origins of the P2P stage mm-hmm. and how um, it was clear there was a need. There was a need. It was a need for you guys to create some space. Um, and I'm just wondering how that went over. Uh, you asked for a stage, an area that you guys could kind of have some control over performers. How did that go over and what was the process there? The, the process was um, difficult, yeah. you know, in the beginning um, because we didn't know exactly what we wanted mm-hmm. other than we wanted to have some space. Right. Um, and we wanted Twin Cities Pride to give us that space for free. Yeah. Um, and that we wanted to do something that hadn't really been done in the park. And, and that's provide space for free for people who wouldn't normally maybe table at pride um and so um so because it was kind of unknown and because you know just to be honest because racism and you know like white supremacy were kind of playing out um and it wasn't that anybody was trying to be malicious per se it's just like you know the institutionalization of those things right this is the way things are have gone right i don't i don't understand what you're doing so i don't like it and it doesn't have any cultural relevance to me so let's not do it um and so that that happened um, in the beginning. And, you know, luckily, you know, our boss at the time, Nick Metcalf, um, was like uh, determined. Um, he had enough kind of time in at tables like that to help kind of guide us as staff. Uh, and so, you know, Nick made us show up. Uh, he made us show up and be ready to be there. And, and at the first meeting that we went to, um, they knew we were coming, but they didn't really accommodate for us. Like, they didn't make enough agendas for us. There wasn't any really room at the table. Literally, we kind of sat out behind the table at the board meeting. Um, and, you know, 
we didn't want to go back. We were like, this is not okay. Um, but Nick was like, no, we're, we are going to sit at the table, literally. We're going to sit at the table, and we're going to make this happen. And, you know, he gave us a lot of kind of guidance about how to show up in places that were hard to be in. Um, and I think, you know, that's that's what I've done a lot of of my kind of activism and organizing has been about uh, being willing to kind of put my body in that space that's uncomfortable so other people don't have to. Um, and I think, you know, uh, it was really when Dr. Uh, Maloney came on as the ED of Pride. Um, and, you know, right away Cheryl took me out to dinner and we talked about why the power to the people stage was there in the first place. Um, and then she really began to kind of grow that stage and talk about it with funders and talk about it with stakeholders at pride and volunteers and really kind of made the space grow mm -hmm. with the support of pride. Because up until that point, we were kind of hauling everything in ourselves, every piece of sound equipment, every table, every tent, um, and so we were kind of creating a space inside of Pride, like Pride creates a space so for the larger like community. Under the umbrella of Pride, it was no. P to P. You were creating your own space, yes. And then eventually, when Cheryl came on, is when you kind of started. Yeah, that. like you know, up until that point, the space had been growing just because mm -hmm. of the the what we were producing there. Um, and then I think Cheryl really saw that as a place that you know could could use some like support, some some like really go in support team and so she started you know calling us part of the team up until that point we we're just kind of rebel rousers and, and and i'm and i'm guessing just from a production side like those guys that are a pain in the butt you know like we're always <laughs> wanting something we need to demand you know bring us more whatever um and then um you know cheryl really is like no like you're part of the team now um and like you know made sure we had the t-shirts we never had t-shirts like you know, as part of the staff, we never really got invited to board meetings. Um, and she invited us into the board meeting and, you know, called us team in front of the other people that were already on the team. And that made such a big difference. Um, and I think, you know, um, the directors since then have kind of followed that, you know, big push by Cheryl to make it um, to make it something that's supported, that has kind of some funding underneath it, um, and that has um, the really kind of buy-in by the larger stakeholder group of Twin Cities Pride. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you get to have much ownership over the acts that you were bringing into the yeah, stage? Yeah, that, that is one thing that we really did get to to have some ownership over. That sounds weird. Yeah. To have some, like, input to um, is, is who's on the stage. And we also got to have a lot of input around, um, you know, who were the vendors in the area, right? And so we've, we have gotten to have a lot of say in that. And I think, you know, really since Andy's come on, some like some really um, backing behind that, like last year, Andy kind of like went out on a limb and created some t-shirt and, um, you know, um, opportunities like that memorabilia kind of mm -hmm. opportunities um, for the Power to the People stage. And and that's kind of like another big milestone, I think, you know, after 20 years that we, we now kind of have our own merch for that area. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, pr 
providing the sound um, has been another really big um, component of that in the staging. So up up until the time that Cheryl came on, we kind of hauled everything in. I remember my exes like just kind of like, oh my god, <laughs> you know. And I'm asking my friends, can you you know can you meet me at six a.m. <laughs> you know, please, so I, so I can get these speakers loaded in and you know renting equipment, um, you know, kind of on our own to make sure that artists had the things that we need. And now we don't have to kind of do that Mm -hmm. you know um all of that is provided by twin cities pride now and so that that's a huge investment uh in communities of color right because we have uh just the square footage of of what we take up in the pride space alone is like huge i have no Mm -hmm. no idea what the dollar amount of that is but it's big yeah it's a very large space it's a very large space Mm -hmm. um and um it's utilized. Oh, every uh, inch of it. Sure. Yep. We we use it. We use it up. Um, in the staging, you know, that's thousands and thousands of dollars. And a dedicated sound person, that's also mm-hmm. thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, the piping and the tenting and the draping is like, you know, so there's a huge investment that's being made by uh, Twin Cities Pride. And, and then the time resource that it takes, you know, because it takes time to build a stage. It takes time to, you know, we were kind of talking before the show about applications, right? And so we know in communities of color, there's... Um, you know, big disparities around who has access to, you know, internet, who has access to um, a computer that can kind of like handle, um, you know, moving through. And I think because Andy has, um, Andy has an understanding of that, you know, the forms have gotten easier and easier and you can kind of move through them on your phone uh, with a Wi-Fi connection. Um um, but still, it takes time and energy and effort to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're a if you're an artist who doesn't really have that much kind of um, uh, ability to do that, like you don't have a manager and you don't have a production team and you don't have somebody you know administratively filing things for you, um, then it's it's kind of hard to come up with that um, and be able to dedicate the energy it takes to move through a form and get your W nine on there and and you know get your bank information together if you even have a bank you know we know a lot of people in our community don't don't even have a bank mm-hmm. right so they're going to the unbank or whatever little thing they can western union to to cash checks and so i think because andy um has has really listened um and paid attention um i think those processes have become easier so we were talking before the show about you know we're going to set up this year a time and space for artists to come um hang out as an artist grouping Mm -hmm. um and fill out the form together and so people can support one another and getting that done and we can kind of have a pre-pride uh planning session and that's something that we've never done before. So I'm I'm really excited about being able to f- to find this new way to sponsor or support support artists. It's such yeah. a good idea. It is okay because we could talk about P 2 P forever, but I I <laughs> want to get to our space. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's. Let, we need to talk about our space because something that has been said in the community for a really long time is. We need a community center. We need an LGBTQ community center. We've got to be able to pull these resources together. And, you know, it hasn't been easy here in Minnesota. And I think that 
Uh, there have been ideas and things thrown around, some with great intention, some mm-hmm. with not so great mm-hmm. intention. Mm-hmm. Um, and you came up, oh gosh, what was it, two, three years ago, you came up with our space? Yeah. You want to talk about what that is? And Yeah, I do. Um, uh, you know, I've been working really kind of on dedicating time and energy specifically to building a community center since 2018. So I got the Bush Fellowship to really kind of explore what it would take to build a community center in Minneapolis. Um, And I did that by visiting other community centers across the country and Mm -hmm. talking to their frontline staff. I I talked to janitors and EDs, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so... to really have this understanding of how do we do this? And I think there's lots of reasons we don't currently have a community center in the metro area. One, I think because we have great organizations, right? Mm -hmm. We have Twin Cities Pride, we have Outfront, we have Reclaim, we have Gender Justice, we have all these really amazing organizations that do lots of different things. You know, we have Transforming Families, doing stuff for families and kids, you know, Mm -hmm. and we have Outfront, who's kind of looking at policy, and so we have all these different organizations kind of doing things on behalf of community and they're doing those things kind of in this siloed measure Mm -hmm. right Um, and because you know funding and community support and all of those things shift and change over time I think it's really been hard for the those agencies to work together collaboratively because everybody's kind of trying to make sure that their piece of the pie is okay instead of looking at how we make the pie better together, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I just want to protect my little piece here and make sure that I have my funding and my, um, my stakeholders. But the real reality is that many of us share the same stakeholders. Yep. Many of us share the same funding resources. Mm-hmm. And none of us really own our own space. No. Nope. We, we don't no. have equity as a community. And so our space is an idea taken kind of from those learning experiences, not only from being inside of community, but going to visit other community centers that says to me, We need to build a place where we have equity, where everybody gets to buy into a space that's for us, Mm -hmm. by us, and about us. And so that idea of having our space so that we're all together. Mm -hmm. Um, As a queer person, finding community, it can be really hard. Like, we're big and we're gay, but how do you find your grouping of people when mm-hmm. when everybody's kind of doing their own thing? Um, and so I want to bring us together in, in a building um, where we can have the ability to produce our own shows, where our artists and our entrepreneurs have maker space and retail space in, in that same kind of vein and venue where we can work out together. Uh, we can see a big show. We can get married. We can cook a family community meal together. Um, and we can source some things like reception um, uh, and having an actual welcoming space because many of the organizations are so kind of busy doing the work of the organization that it's really hard to find dedicated time to source community. And what I mean by that is create this welcoming space because we're all like trying to get the next report in or we're all trying to meet with the next whatever, right? And so I'm a person that comes in and I'm like, I just need a coat. 
or I, di- I just need to find out who a doctor is and to be able to sit down and take the time to do that while the kind of back in functions that you know the people behind the curtain are doing the stuff um, has been really hard for I think every queer organization I mean I'm looking at Twin Cities Pride and you know yeah. uh, you know like it's it's really hard not to to have mission creep kind of is is what I'm thinking you know like because once mm-hmm. you start providing a service you really find out that there's so many other places that our community <laughs> needs help right yeah. you're like okay well we can do coats and then you're like oh but dang people also need boots yeah. mm-hmm. oh, oh oh and they also need food yeah personal care items right yeah. and so yeah. so now so now we're a s- yeah. store uh-huh. you know now we're a free store basically Oh, wait, you've just described our office right at this point. I just yeah. did. <laughs> you did. Right. You totally did, right. which we've had this discussion this about how it, between how it wardrobe. turns into things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's what happened um, at Cafe Southside mm-hmm. when, um, you know, we had the Minnesota Transgender Health Coalition was there. Um, that was kind of the first community org that was there. Um, and then Rare Productions came in. And then the coffee shop, you know, came up for sale. And I convince my wife that we should do that thank you anna (laughs) (laughs) Um, and you know it really didn't take that i mean it it was a hard decision right Mm -hmm. but really we we both want to ensure that our community has safe space and that's really an important thing for anna too right Mm -hmm. and so now we have uh, kind of front-end retail community serving organizations health serving organizations and then we had some therapists that were in the basement that weren't really connected to us but were seeing our people right yeah. um and and now so we have this kind of mock community space right where people are going in they have a place where they can go and just meet up with the girls and have some coffee or they can you know get syringe supplies and Mm -hmm. hiv prevention information or if they're an artist they can you know connect with rare productions or practice or put on a little show or do a mini ball right Mm -hmm. and so we did all of those things inside of that coffee shop that you know this is like a f- maybe like five unit building commercial building right and we took up four of those five units right mm-hmm. um and so we kind of just created our own community center and so kind of that example and the power to the people of kind of bringing people together mm-hmm. you know really helps fuel this idea of our space and what i'm envisioning is like you know commercial and housing and um entertainment all in one space so that our community can kind of go to a place mm-hmm. um, so that we can meet up with each other and hang out. And mm-hmm. it's, and it's, I think it's really important for us to be able to mm-hmm. own that space so we have equity because what we do right now is everybody's paying between, you know, a thousand and eight thousand or ten thousand dollars a month in rent. And that's going to a building owner who doesn't care about us, who's not part of our community, who's mm-hmm. never going to show up at Pride, who's never going to be on the floor of the legislature voting for something that's important for us, right? Right. And then we have a place where we can also um, invest in, right? So we spend, we we probably spend, I can't remember what the total estimate is, but it's like over a million dollars a year uh, as a community just going to drag shows. Yeah. 
Like literally, right? But we don't own that space where the drag show is being produced, right? Um, The artists have no like reinvestment in the space and the space has no investment in the artist, Mm -hmm. right? And so for me, if we can, if we can source that for ourselves in a place that looks amazing and beautiful, so be it. And so that then kind of brings us, I think, into the Cutie Castle, mm-hmm. which is this program or project of our space mm-hmm. where we're trying to kind of recreate a sourcing of a, of a place where people can come, hang out, eat together, um, build community, work mm-hmm. on a project. Um, and so we just got to host um, the Minnesota Trans and Intersex Resource Network. Good job. Yep. And Mintren. Yep. Yep. Um, as we did a day long planning about how how can we, as these kind of separate community um, groups, come together and support the trans folks that are moving to Minnesota to have um, safer access to health care and just like a better quality of living, as we also look at what are we doing to really support the trans people that already live here mm-hmm. in Minneapolis and in the Twin Cities and the state of Minnesota. And so we got to do a day-long retreat and talk about that. And I think I think we sourced some really good information and made some really good kind of networking connections mm-hmm. there. It was a pretty impactful room when you really think about who was sitting in that room or rooms mm-hmm. um, that day. And it's, you, you know, you look around and so many people in our community are so incredibly talented and have such visions that, you know, to be able to do that is, is really quite honestly priceless. Mm-hmm. Um, but it comes with, and something that we noticed is the funding. Yeah. I mean, if, if funding were, if I was, you know, independently wealthy and had a whole lot of money, we would have no problem with getting a community center or anything like that. But unfortunately, in the the day and age that we live in, funding is really hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were traveling around the country, did you see any examples in any towns of like people who did it the right way, like a good model? Oh, sure, sure. You know, and and I think that that's kind of the idea of our space is to kind of source little um, nuggets of of um, knowledge from from those spaces. So, for example, Spencer, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Which happens to be my hometown. I, oh. It's a it's a small little rural town in southern Indiana. I didn't know um, that that's where you were from. Oh yeah, I went to high school in Spencer. There you go. Um, they have a small community center um, that lives on the town square. The town is kind of old school, so it literally has a square, and, and the population there is about twenty five hundred. Um, and every year during pride, the community center puts on the pride and they source enough, um, uh, like love for that, that like over 5,000 people come to their pride and they, um, kind of keep the the brick and mortar space going through art. And so they work with the local GSA and some artist groups in um, Bloomington at the college um, and they create art and then they sell that art. Um, And they have, so they have a storefront that has all kinds of like cool art in it. um, And that helps kind of pay the rent 
awesome. then they have programming. So they have a library and they have like show night and they have like a support group kind of thing. Um, and they live on the town square mm-hmm. right next to the VFW and 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 the Republican headquarters. Awesome. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they live there kind of in peace. Yeah. Um, I, they make I, it work. They, they make it work. I went yeah. to their pride and. This is this is a this is like the difference really between like small town and and big city. So they had they have bouncy houses or you know bouncy <laughs> yeah. rooms or whatever on one side of the the square. So I, I'm watching the sheriff walk over and it's like you know kids and families over there. Look, I'm watching the sheriff walk over. He like takes off his gun belt. <laughs> sits it down outside the bouncy house, <laughs> takes off his shoes, and gets in the bouncy house. I love that. Right? I love that. It's like, um, so that, right, that's really small. It's mm-hmm. really, like, art-based. It's, like, youth-based to, you know, like, the L.A. Community Center that has several different satellite offices. They have a whole medical suite. They have a whole senior housing unit that takes up a whole city block. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Um, and, you know, they and it's the L.A. Community Center. And so they have big, big money. You mm-hmm. know, they have um, they have star power, literally, mm-hmm. right. where, you know, they have uh, major, major donors that are like people that we watch on Netflix and stuff. Right. Right. So where can people go to find out more about where our space is or donate? Um, because really that's what it's going to take a village it, to build the village it's going to take a village to build 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 the village build the village yeah, yeah. that's hard to say it is um and it's even harder to do oh 100 percent. Right? Yeah. we have to all kind of go in and so people can go to our space mn.com and when you get there don't judge because we we need support, right? We need administrative support, and so the website's yeah. a little behind. That's but, right. Um, but there's the basic information there, right. um, and people can also you know find us um, through the giving platform that Minnesotans love, Give MN. Give MN, um, and yeah. we're we're in there. And so if you want to you know do a quick check, where there's also links on our website. But if you mm-hmm. just want to be like, okay, I like it, I don't need to know anymore. I'm going to give some money. You just go to right to Give MN. And yeah, and if you don't remember any of that, you can go to tcpride.org, click donate, and write right in there for our space, and we'll make sure the funds get over to. Oh wow, that's cool! Space. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, gosh, seriously, time. What what is what, the time? I don't know warp how time in this building. Anymore, just, oh yeah, man, so. We're going to we're going to take another quick break, but when we're back, we'll talk more with rocks um, and and the things moving forward. But you're listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome back. You're listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm your co-host, Rena Heisel, along with host Andy Otto, the executive director of Twin Cities Pride. And we are joined today um, by our amazing guest, Rox Anderson. We have been talking about all the amazing projects that Rox has been involved with and is currently working on. Um, and I, we have a little bit limited time in our last segment, but um, I'm just going to throw out there 
kind of a tougher question. We are approaching Black History Month. Mm-hmm. And um, is there any message or anything you'd like to get out there, um, especially for our listeners, allies, community members alike, um, things that they should be thinking about during this Black History Month? Yeah, I mean, I think two things come to my mind. First, um, you know, support black businesses, Mm -hmm. um, black organizations, um, find out about them um, because you can support more than with dollars, right? And and a lot of organizations are underfunded and under-resourced. So you can give with, you know, people power if you don't have funds to give. Um, And specific organizations that come in to my mind, are um, REP, which is an organization that um, I helped start uh, in 2020, right around the uprising. Um, And this organization uh, trains individuals to understand how to um, de-escalate situations, respond to their neighbor, and do mutual aid. Uh, REP stands for Relationships Evolving Possibilities. And so we have kind of two sides to that organization. One is a kind of pod-building side where we're learning about abolition. We're learning about how to support our neighbors in time of need. We're learning how to de-escalate situations. And then we have the emergency partner side, which is a side that um, will respond. Uh, right now we run on Friday and Saturday nights. And if I'm a person who has um, has a, a crisis happening, um, I can call rep and rep will respond and um, send folks to help de-escalate situations. Uh, we don't really respond to active violence and we don't really respond, um, you know, to uh, like a profound uh, medical emergency. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will respond to minor um, medical things. We'll respond to uh, interactions between you and your neighbor or you and your sibling or a family member um, in this way of like, how do we support one another and love mm-hmm. one another to the next step? How would somebody reach out to get a hold of rep? Well, you can just Google Rep, our relationships evolving possibilities. Um, And it'll tell you all about the organization. And then the next thing that comes to my mind is uh, uh, Minnesota People of Color Pride. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an organization uh, that started out as Twin Cities Black Pride um, and has evolved uh, to be uh, more kind of inclusive of all the um, communities of color and the cultures of color that are here in Minneapolis. Uh, and that organization uh, does some um, health response to community. And so right now they're doing COVID stuff. They have HIV connection. Uh, and then they put on this fabulous uh, festival in August to celebrate um, uh, Black Pride across the country, and we do that right here in Minneapolis with POC Pride. I love that. It, this was this past year was the first year I went to POC Pride. Oh, wow. and had an absolute blast uh, and worked your butt off. Well, yeah. yes, but yeah. that was for for good reason. And I yeah. think it's an important time as as we come down to wrapping up our show. You know, every show we talk about allyship and what that means and that it means speaking up even when, you know, the person of the marginalized community isn't around. And it's important time to not only look at the LGBTQ community, but also look at the BIPOC community um, and all the other marginalized communities around and making sure that. You know, if you're hearing something or seeing something that isn't right, please speak up. Mm. Um, speak up. It's the only way we can make the change. So we need to make sure that that we're doing 
that and everything that we can to make sure being and amplifying and elevating all those communities. So um, if you are, again, interested in donating to our space, um, you can go to ourspacemn.com or you can go to tcpride.org and donate. Just make sure you note that you want it to go over to our space and we'll make sure that that happens over there. But without the support, none of these programs can move forward and and function. So um, if you're if you have the time, volunteer, if you have the money, donate. If you've got both, even better. Right? Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, people are really familiar with Twin Cities Pride. So in that kind of vein of allyship, I think it's really important for me to say thank you. Um, not because I have to, but because I appreciate the way in which you have supported me as an individual and the organizations that I'm connected with and the ways in which I see you supporting uh, uh, POC Pride. Um, Not only did you get out there and like move furniture and food and lift things and haul (laughs) things, but you also... You also donated financially and supported the organization financially. And so I think, you know, there's lots of ways that you can be in allyship. And Mm -hmm. Andy, I just see you doing that. And so I want to say I appreciate it. And as somebody, you know, who walks around with like white guy privilege, who is willing to use that to support folks that don't have that same access is just it, it is the meaning of allyship. So I see you. I appreciate you and thank you for the ways that you personally and professionally support me. Absolutely. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's what we need to do and I will scream my white guy privilege every day that I can to make sure that people in our community are safe and validated and uplifted and yeah, I, I, we have to. Mm-hmm. But just like that, we are so out of time. Yeah. So thank you for joining us today and listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified. Thank you so much to my co-host Rena and our guest Rox Anderson. We will be back next Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. right here on AM 950 with the executive director of Transforming Families Ooh. to talk about the work that they're doing and how we partner to make and uh, support the LGBTQ community. Um Again, please join us next Saturday, 3 p.m., right here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Let's take care of each other all year long. In the glass of purple dry.